Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. Thank you, worship team. Can we give them a round of applause? They did such a great job today. So it's the holiday season. I hope you guys have been merry. You know, maybe you've got your tree up already. I don't know if you go and you cut down your own tree or if you've got a fake one. I noticed that people were putting up trees in like October. I guess because we're stuck home, everyone's like, what? Who cares? I like Christmas. Let's put this sucker up. It's like a rule, you know, like after Thanksgiving, it's got to be after Thanksgiving, at least in my house, right? There's rules. See? Okay, I'm not alone. We just broke all the rules this year anyway with everything apparently. So it's Christmas season and I don't know what you do to, to, to get into the merry spirit or whatever you want to call it. But maybe you go to the city to look at the tree or, you know, maybe you go holiday shopping. But there's one thing that comes around this time of year that, that I really enjoy that, that, that I think most of you will too. It's, uh, it's the movies, right? So loud and proud. Do we have any Hallmark Christmas movie lovers in this room? I didn't even finish talking, and your hand was straight in the air back there. She's like, yes, I live for this month. I didn't know you could, you could make 5,000 movies about Christmas in the Midwest, but hey, it works, it works, right? For me, though, and I'm going to get some hate because Christmas story is not on my list. And if it's on yours, I'm really sorry about that. Elf. Elf is a strong second. Yes. But number one. Yes! This is crazy. I was going to put a poll on my Instagram to see who thought was number one. And I just didn't get around to it. It looks like I should have because Home Alone it is. Number one. I love that movie. It always makes me want pizza, right? If you haven't seen Home Alone, I, I really encourage you to watch it because I'm going to ruin the entire plot for you right now. So... What happens is you got this young man named Kevin. He's at home, and his family's about to go on this wild trip to France. And he's got all of his extended family over the house. So there's like 20 people packed into this house the night before, and there's, there's luggage, and there's people, and, and it's just crazy. Now, they wake up, and they oversleep their alarm. And you've got two airport shuttles out front waiting to pick them up. And it is just pandemonium. It is mayhem in that house as they're trying to get out the door. They're trying to get 20 people with international suitcases out the door. I have a hard time getting two kids out the door with an hour notice. So there's bound to be some problems along with this, right? And then as they're doing a head count to make sure they got everybody, their neighbor kid comes over and starts messing around with their stuff, and he gets included in the head count. So long story short, Kevin gets left home alone. And now you see this scene, this iconic scene, the mom's on the plane. She's like, I think we forgot something. And dad's like, I don't know, I think we got everything. Like typical man, it's like, I don't know, I think we got everything. Find out when we get there. And then all of a sudden she's like, Kevin! You know, that iconic scream. And meanwhile, he's home, he's living life. He's like, I hate my family, this is great. <laughs> but then he finds out that there's, there's thieves in the neighborhood. And then he finds out that these thieves are going to come and they're going to steal his stuff, right? And now any reasonable eight-year-old would do, he devised this outrageous home defense system with all of these outrageous weapons, right? It's theatrical and it's hysterical because I like slapstick comedy. And the amount of pain that these men endured was just incredible. <laughs> it's comedic genius. But Kevin, Kevin was a young man and he was home alone. 
His parents were inaccessible to him. They were on a plane over the Atlantic Ocean. Look, this was 1991. There's no Wi-Fi on your plane. In addition, there's no FaceTime, cell phone, email, text messaging, nothing. They're inaccessible. He's on his own. And now he's left home alone with parents that he doesn't know where they are, that he can't get in contact with them. And now he's left to use weapons that are not appropriate for what he's trying to do to defend himself against an enemy that's coming because he doesn't have the covering of his parents at his house. You know, 2020 has been a year. And to be quite honest with you, I'm almost sick and tired that I have to keep saying this because I think by now we thought it'd be over. I preach what? Like... You ask me to speak maybe once every couple months. I've said this like five times. I'm done. <laughs> but it's been a year. We started off, we thought we were going to World War III. That was this year. That wasn't two years ago. That was this year. It feels that long ago, but it wasn't. Then COVID came. Then we had the flare-up with, with racial tensions and protests all across this nation. We just went through the most unusual election process ever just about in the history of this country we see things changing day in and day out and that's just at a at a country level but you maybe you've been furloughed or maybe you've lost your job your income maybe your housing situation isn't certain anymore and i hope not but maybe you've known people that have battled illness maybe you've known people who have passed they're not even just from covid but just other things that have been going on and, and the separation and all of the stuff that's been going on, 2020. It's been 2020. <laughs> but I felt like I'm here today to remind you of something. When you and I have forgotten something, we need to be reminded of it. And I'm gonna sound like a broken record today because I'm here to remind you today, you are not alone. You are not alone. I don't care what's around you. I don't care what's not around you. I don't care what circumstances you find yourself in. God is not shocked at what's happening this year. God was not unprepared for what was happening this year. God is not unaware of the ways you've been challenged, the ways you hurt. God is not so far removed from you and inaccessible that he has no clue what's going on at home with his kids. You are not alone. You are loved and you are cherished, regardless of what you see going on around you. And you need to be reminded of that fact sometimes. We all need to be reminded of that. God made a way so that God is with you would always be a reality. And I want to encourage you today, you are not home alone. So if you're taking, message, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Not Home Alone. You see, God has always been with us. God has always been with us. But if we want to get an understanding about what that really looks like in our life, practically speaking, it would be smart to go back to how it was in the beginning when everything was right to see the way that God intended our relationship with him to be like. And if you look back at the very beginning, if you look in the garden, what do we see? We see God created man and then God gave him a job. God would bring animals to him and he would name them. God was involved in the life of man. Then we see that God saw that man being alone wasn't good, and he fashioned woman out of man. And he saw the two of them together was good. And so we see that there was God just with them in this really beautiful environment, in this environment with life and fruitfulness and everything like that. 
And then we see that when sin happened, God didn't come out with a stick. It's trying to shoo out the sinners out of my garden. You bad little brats, get out of here, right? They hid, which is what every single one of us does when we're ashamed of something. Second sin comes on you, you're guaranteed that shame's gonna come. You're gonna have to get off yourself. But what do we do? We hide. And what does God do? Came looking. He just simply walks around. He knows. He watched them sin. He watched them cover themselves. He watched them find a bush to hide behind. And yet he stands there and he goes, where are you? And it wasn't the where are you like you're in trouble. You know, when you're a kid or if you have kids, you're like, where are you? It's, it's not that. <laughs> it's this longing of, where are you? Why is there something in between us now? Where are you? That is the image of where we're moving towards. But because sin came into the world, it kind of changed the dynamic by which God can interact with us. And so we see that God had to relate with humanity just a little bit differently. So throughout the Old Testament, we see that the principal way that God would interact with humanity was through prophets. So God would speak a word, the prophet would hear the word of the Lord, and then the prophet would go and he would bring the word of the Lord to the people. God would back up his word through signs, wonders, and miracles, but it wasn't all the time that he did that. It was primarily the word that was spoken by God coming through the mouthpiece of a prophet. And that was the that was the framework that we really see throughout the Old Testament of how God interacted with us. Now, the Holy Spirit was not completely absent during the Old Testament. We see several times where the Holy Spirit would come and rest upon a person, but it was for a specific purpose. It was for a specific season and a specific reason. So you would see that after the Holy Spirit came and brought power and strength and gifts or whatever else had to shift in that moment, you would see that after that was accomplished, he would lift again. And again, it was because he couldn't be with us on a permanent indwelling basis because of this problem of sin. We even see that Jesus himself appeared several times in the Old Testament. It's called a Christophany. And it's when an image of Jesus or Jesus himself in the flesh appears to people before he came on earth. One of the most well-known instances of this in the Old Testament is the fourth in the flames. You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're tossed in the furnace with their hands tied up. And then when they look in there, and that furnace was cranked up four times hotter than it needed to be. And then somebody looked in there and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are, why are their bondage, why is their bondage broken? Why are the ropes gone? Why is there another guy in there? There's a fourth one in there and they're dancing. What is going on in there? And that's just to say too, that God doesn't always just rip you out of the fire when you ask him to. He gets in it with you. So, like I said, this problem of sin came into the world and it meant that God had to interact and relate to humanity differently. But we see that he had a plan throughout all eternity. Do you realize the moment that sin entered upon humanity that God didn't sit there and go, oh, guys, I made it perfect. What am I going to do? Let me think this one out. Let me go back to the drawing board. Do you know that the second we sinned, the second we hid, God stood there and he said, I got a plan. Might take a little bit of time, but I got it all worked out. I know exactly how I'm going to fix this. He had a plan to fix the mess that you and I made. And the name of his plan is a person called Emmanuel. This is the season, this is the holiday season where we celebrate Emmanuel. Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew was quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, who hundreds of years before this had prophesied that the coming Messiah would accomplish this prophecy, that he would be born of a virgin. We saw when the angel appeared to Mary, he carried what? A word of the Lord, a spoken word of the Lord to her. And he said that this would take place and she received it by faith. But you know that there was she might not have, there might not have been the evidence that she was pregnant. She received it by faith. Maybe she wasn't feeling so good. You realize that there was a moment, the first time she ever felt him move? And if you're a mom in here, the first time you feel your baby move, it's real. And it's not that it wasn't real for her, but she felt Jesus went through everything, all the stages of development, all of the growth. You, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, and he was talking about um, the Israelites, he was talking about things that happened in the Old Testament. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. This moment where Jesus was born and came into the world, when Emmanuel came, which means God with us, do you realize this wasn't just a moment? This was the moment. Yeah. This was the moment that thousands of years of prophecy, thousands of years of waiting had pointed towards. I don't know if you're waiting to, and hoping to see something in your lifetime. I don't know, like flying cars. You know, it's like a good idea. I don't know if I'm going to see it. Thousands of years, hundreds of generations of people longing for God to be close to them again. Longing to hear the voice of the Lord, not through a man, through a prophet, but from God himself. Longing to have God with us again, the way that it was in the very beginning. His birth was the culmination of everything. It was everything that had pointed towards what he was going to do. And now through the life, through the death, and through the resurrection of Jesus, he is able to fulfill and able to accomplish this idea of God with us or God is with you. He makes God is with you a reality. One of the ways in which he does that is that Jesus is the word of God in flesh. John chapter 1 verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This light shines in the darkness, and what? The darkness has not overcome it. You are not alone. The darkness has not overcome this year. I don't care how close it looks like it has. And you know what that means? It's tried. It has tried to overcome, and it has failed. The word of God came into the flesh, carrying the power with it. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, meaning it's fruitful, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and the thing, and shall succeed for the thing for which I sent it. This is not a book. It is a book I'm holding. It is an object. But it is far beyond any book. This is the only book that reads you. Yeah. 
as you read it. This is the only book that God is with you the second you open its pages. This is the book that can illuminate things inside of you. This is the book that can breathe life into the identity that's in you that you might not even know is there. It's in these pages. God's word affects the physical and the spiritual environments around us. It affects the physical around us. You speak a word of faith and you bring scripture into a situation. Healing will come in Jesus' name. You speak a word, encouragement comes in Jesus' name. It changes the atmosphere, but it changes what's going on in the spirit as well. Darkness has not overcome it, even though darkness tries. You battle darkness with light and with truth. The word of God, it breaks strongholds. Strongholds in our mind are patterns and they're ways that we think. So you have been formed by all of your experience, by all of the disappointments, all of the good times, your culture that you grew up in, the language that you grew up speaking. If you speak more than one language, you, are, you have ways that you perceive the world around you. Some of those things are called strongholds. And some of those things mean that you perceive the world around you in a way that is not the way that God intended. The word of God is strong and effective to tear down those strongholds and rebuild them in such a way that you see in a godly way where you didn't used to see in a godly way before. The word of God is truth and it challenges lies and errant emotions. What you feel is not true. I am well aware of what I feel is not true. My wife tells me sometimes. But what's happened is as a culture, we have elevated feeling to truth. And it is a lie. It doesn't work. Why do you think brokenness is rampant? Why do you think identity crisis is everywhere? We don't get to choose that what I feel is truth. I get to say, is how I feel lining up to what it says in this book? Is what I feel lining up to what God has said about me? And if it's not, it's up to me to figure out and engage the Holy Spirit to shift that. Psalm 119, 105 says, God's word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. It shows me what to do and where to go. Hebrews 4, 12 says, God's word judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It gets in deep sometimes. God's word is God with us. The word of the Lord written down through obedience from, from dozens and dozens of authors over a thousand years penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit into a cohesive narrative from cover to cover about the redemption that God offers you. One of the other ways that we experience God through Jesus is that he actually brings us into family. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 12 to 14 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then it says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So I'm going to say it again. You are not alone. When you have put your faith in Jesus, you've been baptized into the body of God, into the church. You belong here in a sense of community. God never designed you and never intended for you to try to figure out how to do this life on your own. You were not built to be a hermit locked up in a cabin, reading and studying and trying to figure it all out without anyone there around you. God has breathed gifts, inspiration, and talent into your life. He has set things for you to walk into that you don't even know are there anymore. I was speaking with someone the other day who couldn't quite see how 
his life and what he'd experienced would be good for people to hear. And I said to him, I said, do you realize that when you don't share what you've gone through and how you've overcome and how God has led you through, you're robbing people of your experience. God has put us together to build one another, to encourage one another. He has built us for community. And when you and I become, put our faith in Jesus, he puts us, boop, right into the church. It is a place where we are empowered, where we are discipled. It is a place where we discover our gifts and our passions. And it is a place where we just see a move of the Holy Spirit. Look, the reality is that at home, in worship time, you should be feeling the presence from the Holy Spirit. Maybe not every single time, but you should learn how to enter into God's presence. But there's something tangible and different that happens in the corporate worship experience. That's why being here is so important. That's why being connected is so critically important to your faith. God does things. On September 26th of 2019, I was sitting somewhere over there and Pastor Joe Riddle from Wave Church was here. And he was prophesying over Pastor Magno and some of his family. And I was sitting there in that moment and I was leaning in and I was just basking in the moment of the Holy Spirit doing something for my friend. And clear as day, as he was doing that, the Holy Spirit said something in my spirit that said something about my identity and I will never, ever be the same. And it was sitting here without anyone saying, hey you, I've got a word for you or anything like that. It was me just here while the Holy Spirit was moving and yet it was a life-changing moment for me. Pastor Anthony, a couple weeks ago, had these young men in the front. I think you were involved in that, right, my friend? I remember the hair. I love it. And the Holy Spirit was nudging him all service, and he couldn't get these three young men out of his head. And so at the end of service, he just moved and he spoke over them. He moved and he called them up and we, we were able to pray for them. Do you realize that being together in a community in that moment, you might have been present for a moment that will shape destiny for the rest of their life. You were present in a moment that God moved because God is with us and he changed generations even. You were here because you were part of the family. Jesus gives us access to the Holy Spirit. That is the principal way that Jesus made God with us a reality. He gives us access to the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 15 to 18, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That Greek word, that translated as orphans, it's actually orphanos. And I can kind of say it. I have a really hard time with Greek words, right? It's orphanos. And you know what it's translated as? Orphan. There is no other meaning of that word. Very often when you look at the Greek, it has different meanings. So very often you look at the Greek and it might be like, it can mean orphan or it can mean abandoned or it can mean left alone or it can mean neglected. You get these variations and it helps you understand what the author wrote. Jesus said orphan and he meant it. There's no, under understand, no other understanding of this word. So he's saying, I am not leaving you as orphans. You don't belong to anyone else. You don't have to worry about who you belong to. I will not leave you. I will come to you. And in Acts chapter 2, there's this moment on the day of Pentecost. All were gathered in the upper room praising and there was a moment that heaven opened 
and got your attention, didn't I? Holy Spirit does that sometimes. There was a day, there was a minute, there was an hour, and there was a second that humanity changed forever. That impossible chasm of sin, that problem that meant God had to take a step back, never removed from our, from our world, never removed from, our, from leading and guiding and shaping us. But one step back, that problem was dealt with forever. Can you imagine the excitement in heaven? <laughs> we get to be with them forever. It's done, it's dealt with, it's, it's finished. The Holy Spirit came. Now when you put your faith in Jesus, he stays with you forever. That is how God with us becomes a reality. In Mark chapter three, we see an interesting healing occasion. Jesus was at the temple and there was a bunch of Pharisees there and Pharisees were a very legalistic group of Jews and they, they nitpicked and they were trying to see if he would heal somebody on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him of breaking the law. So there was a man there and he had a withered hand and that word withered in the Greek actually has a couple meanings. It, it, it basically has the connotation that it's dried up. All the life has been removed from it. It's, it's curled. It's, it's no longer effective for how it was designed to be used. Like a grape turning into a raisin or something like that. It's just, it's just there. And so Jesus perceives in his spirit that they're thinking this. And so he's like, all right, game on, let's go. So he looks to the man and he says, come here. Kind of sounds similar to where are you a little bit, right? He says to him, come here. Now when Jesus tells you to come here, you don't know what he's gonna do. He might rip apart scripture and, and show how he fulfills some of it like he's done in the temple. He might teach in a parable. So great, he might confuse me. I don't know what's gonna happen. But he might heal me. He might cast a demon out or something like that. These are all things that Jesus did. So when he said, come here, the guy had no clue what he was gonna do. But when the Lord says, come here, better go. So it means he's got something good for you. Now Jesus looks around at these Pharisees and he says this, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent and he looked around them with anger and he was grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. And another gospel account of this moment, it says that the hand was made like new. It means that there was no differentiation between the hand that was once withered and the hand that was whole. You couldn't even tell which one was damaged before. That is what God did. But you know what he was doing? He healed the man. But he was saying to the Pharisees, the thing that I did in the flesh is what's going on inside of your heart. You're withered. You have no life inside of you anymore. You come to me and I say, stretch it out and life will come back inside of you. I don't know what 2020 has been like for you. But I have a funny feeling that there's parts of all of us that are still withered. To some of you today, he's saying, come here. But to others of you today, he's saying, stretch it out. 
stretch it again. Look past the frustration. Look past the anxiety, the fear. Break it and get it off you in Jesus' name. Look past the shame that you think is there. Look to me, the author and the perfecter of your faith. I will guide you. I will lead you. Lean in and stretch it out again. Don't curl up. Don't be isolated. Don't be sitting at home wondering what's going to happen next. Be eagerly expected for the future. Stretch your faith out again. Yeah, that's good. You can have a seat. I got one minute left to wrap up this. Wrap up this, wrap this up. Sometimes when we talk about the enemy, we think about images and we, maybe we think about 1 Peter 3 where we talk about the enemy and he's roaming around like a lion. He's on the prowl and he's seeking people to devour, right? And these are descriptions that we use to, to kind of understand the enemy. But when we think about it too hard like that and we look at 2020 and maybe it feels like the devil took too much ground this year. Maybe it feels like, man, my mic's dead. Get out of here, devil. You're taking my mic too. It might feel like he took so much ground. And then when we think of him like that, it's like he's an enemy, but then I'm prey. Uh-uh. Exodus 23, verses 20 to 22 says, Behold, I send an angel before you. Most theologians would agree, angel in this scripture refers to Christ himself. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. God said, pay careful attention to him and obey his voice, the word of the Lord. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Now look at this. But if you carefully obey the word of the Lord and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. You are not alone and you got a father in heaven who's a way bigger problem for the enemy than he is for you. Stretch it out again, wake up again, open your eyes, believe again. God is going to do something incredible through your life. In Jesus' name. You are not an orphan. You've never been alone. You were bought at a price. You have the solution in your hands. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone, have one more seat. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me because this is a very important moment. There's some of you in here today who need to stretch out your faith and activate it again, and we'll pray for you in a minute. But there's some of you here today, you need to respond to the, come here. You need to respond to the, where are you? If you are far off from God, in person, in an overflow, even online with us right now, if you have not made the conscious decision to surrender the ownership of your life to Jesus, today in this moment, you can do that. You can trust the one who is never going to leave you, who is never going to forsake you, who has talents, gifts, and abilities. He's breathing you for a purpose. One who will plug you into community and one who will bless you beyond all measure with his Holy Spirit. So we're going to say a prayer together. And if you believe that in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you shall be saved. So let's repeat this prayer together with me. Let's say Jesus. Thank you.
that you dealt with my sin forever. I confess everything I've ever done wrong and I thank you that you have written it off by your blood and by your resurrection. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. I am a new creation today. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with your eye, whoa, whoa, whoa. Everybody's clapping, that's good. But with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, because I want this to be a moment where the people who prayed that can respond. I'm just gonna count to three. And if you said that prayer in this room and your eternity just changed with us today, I wanna celebrate with you. I'm just gonna count to three. I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up in the air. One, two, and three. Anybody in this place? I see you. I see all those hands in the back. Thank you, thank you, Lord. I see the, wow, I see all of these hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. I thank you, God, that lives have changed. I thank you that eternity has changed in this room today. I pray, Father God, Lord, in the name of Jesus, encourage your people. I pray, God, that you'd rattle them, that, God, they would stretch out their faith again, that they would believe again, that they would know deep, deep down that regardless of the circumstances around us, you have never given up on us. You have never gone so far away we can't find you. You have never become inaccessible. God, breathe over every single gift, every single talent, and every single ability. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand to your feet?